All apologies for the delay, but our luggage got stuck in baggage claim uh, in San Diego. Here we are with our reactions to all the big announcements from San Diego Comic-Con on this episode of the Nerd by Word. Welcome into another fantastic episode of the Nerd Byword, the only podcast that can get you all the goods from every major Comic-Con without the sweaty body odor. I know that we're a couple weeks out from uh, San Diego, but we wanted to give it time to steak and sizzle, uh, but also we recorded a couple weeks ahead of time. So when you're hearing this, this news has been out for a couple of weeks and we've had proper time to react to it. Before we dive into the Byword Big Talk, that is substantial. We've got four pages worth of notes. We might go rapid fire through some of these because some of these, who cares about, honestly? Um, sorry to the action figure fans. It's just like I don't have the space for them. I don't know about you, Dave, but the toy stuff, it's its pretty, and I'll i will look at it, but I don't have room in the house for it. The only toys I care about this, these days are for my son, and he does not need a $50 action figure of Superman. That's all I know. Yeah, so I thought you were going to go in a very different direction, and now I feel bad. Um, you should. Uh, <laughs> so first up, we're going completely off the rails this episode already. First up is, of course... All right, Dave, um, just just go ahead and read it, because I can't. Batflex back, all right. Hey, a Backstreet Boys reference. Yeah, so uh, I don't even know what to say to this, guys. Uh, let's go ahead and start with something simple. Apparently, there was a uh, tour on the uh, Warner Brother lot, and the tour group apparently, quote-unquote, accidentally walked in on um, some filming for Aquaman 2, and who was there but Ben Affleck. So not long after that tour, uh, Jason Momoa posted a picture of himself with Ben Affleck on his verified Instagram account, basically saying, uh, let me see caption here, reunited Bruce and Arthur, love you and miss you, Ben. WB Studios tour just explored the back lot, all right. Busted on set, all great things coming to Aquaman 2. Um, and... Ben Affleck is very much uh, dressed in one of those Bruce Wayne suits. Um, so, of course, now speculation is we're going to get some kind of appearance from Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne in Aquaman 2. Now, on the one hand, uh, this would be a, a perfectly fine sort of pop in and out uh, situation. I, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to necessarily a little guest appearance here and there or something. But, of course, the the rabid online uh, attack dogs of one Zack Snyder, uh, the quote-unquote Snyder bots, um, are, of course, once again, inundating social media with speculation that their beloved Snyderverse is about to be restored, which doesn't exactly seem uh, to be the case, given everything we know of what's coming out of um you know, the Flash and, and subsequent uh, projects moving away from that direction. Um, however, it appears we once again are going to see some Ben Affleck in a DC movie playing Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Chris, your take? 
Well, I don't want our fans to think that they accidentally clicked on the wrong episode from two years ago, but I, I'll, just, <laughs> I'll just, I'll just, I'll just reiterate that I am not a fan of Ben Affleck in this role. Uh, um, maybe he, he just got married. He should focus on that. Not, not, not answer or reply to you up text from his ex Warner brothers. Like we should just stop. Like th- this whole thing reeks of like, I just can't quit you. And like, we'll go into this more in depth probably when we get to the DC side of the San Diego comic-con stuff. It's like, there's no forward momentum with this entire connected universe because we just keep going backwards. And like, what are we doing here? I, I, I said it on, on social media the other day, like, I, I'm just not a fan of this interpretation of the character. It's a bad karaoke version of Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns, and he's unwatchable as Bruce Wayne. He's so blasé, and the suit is the same every time. A dark dress shirt with a dark suit over top. Like, there's no life in that character. I really want it to go away. Now, Jason Momoa's Aquaman is a completely different story, but he's, like, hitched at the, attached at the hip to this uh, interpretation of Batman, I guess, and I just am not a fan of it. And so I, I'm just becoming increasingly agnostic about this whole endeavor, and, um, I mean, it just not to compare apples to uh, Brussels sprouts, but I mean, like Marvel's going on with 74 phases and DC, uh, DC is just like, uh, we're going to go back to, you know, the Snyder castings, whether or not Snyder's involved or whatever, but like, we just keep going backwards and I, I just don't get it. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm over it to be honest. I, I don't want to fight with Snyder bots. I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to move on, but we can't apparently. And, you know, it's interesting that you say that uh, Warner and DC cannot move forward, um, especially considering we're getting a Flash movie here pretty soon, which also, you know, you know features Ezra Miller in, in the title role, but also features a returning Michael Keaton as Batman. Now, as much as I love Michael Keaton, uh, maybe forward is better than backward. Uh, I recently read some leaks that uh, claim to have seen a um, a rough cut of... Um, the Flash, and apparently uh, they are using some unused footage of uh, Chris Reeve's Superman to basically integrate like a, a cameo of Chris Reeve's Superman into the movie. And, you know, at this point, you just start realizing that there is zero forward momentum. You know, I mean, not not just not bringing Henry Cavill back in the role, you know, which that man deserves a good Superman script. But in addition, you know, on top of all that, uh, trying to go all the way back to a Chris Reeve Superman cameo appearance. Um, if that's really true, if that's the case, then we have a, a much deeper problem than the Snyder bots when it comes to Warner and DC's output. They are, you know, wallowing in nostalgia and are completely unable to put any kind of coherent product out at this point anymore without trying to appeal to somebody's nostalgia. That That is a significant problem, Chris. And that's and that's saying a lot coming from you and your perspective on Chris Reeve Superman. But I mean, like the guy's been dead for 25, 30 years. Like, come on, like stop this deep fake crap. Yeah. And the thing is, too, well, a you know how I feel about reviving, you know, uh, actors that have passed on. I don't I don't exactly feel good about that. I don't even feel good. We're about looking at you, you know, Governor Tarkin. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I don't exactly feel even great about uh, de-aging, you know, yeah. the Luke Skywalker. You know, I just I'm not a big fan of that. I'd rather have a recast and then look at Uncanny Valley Mark Hamill. Um, and and when it comes to Chris Reeve, like if they're really doing that, I don't know why you would do that when somebody like you know Henry Cavill's right there or Brandon Routh, who is literally supposed to be the Chris Reeve version of Superman. You know, like Superman Returns for all its problems and the you know kind of horrific people involved in that in the making of that movie uh you, you can't f- fault brandon routh for that who superman was you know very well acted and and even better when he reprised a role uh, in the Arrowverse. so you know that that's the chris reeve version of superman right there so why not why not lean on him like stop this uncanny valley crap and and you know even then just m- maybe it's time to just not lean on nostalgia and try to come up with a coherent path forward for you know warner's dc output yeah yeah and i i don't want to come across as disingenuous or like a marvel shill or mcu shill even because what did we just get in the multiverse of madness we just got uh i believe 81 year old sir patrick stewart in the in the role of charles xavier but that dave do you honestly think that he's coming back in that role going forward no, absolutely not. We're we're going to get something new or different. It, it was it was a stopgap. It was a mile marker. It's like when you're driving down the interstate and you see like, hey, here's an exit sign if you want to go get some Arby's. Like now, I want Arby's. Um, but uh, so you, it was you, very you want much diarrhea. Hey, I, I ride for Arby's, especially from two to five every day. You get those dollar sliders. Anyways, um, <laughs> anyways, it's a cheap dinner when you don't feel like cooking. Um, but anyways, that was very much like a mile marker of like still forward momentum. Sir Patrick Stewart showing up in the multiverse of madness did not stop the forward momentum of the MCU, of the Doctor Strange story, of Wanda's story, of any of that. That was a touchstone like, hey, we're still moving forward, but here's a cute little Easter egg towards the past. It is not... Um, hey, we can't figure out a way to divorce ourselves from this chaotic relationship that we have with this director um, and his army of superbots. Um, it, it's just it's just really, really strange. Um, and I, I don't know the way to go forward with this. Uh, it, it's just wild. Yeah, let's just move on from this before I, you know, bust a vein in my in the side <laughs> of my head here or something. Uh, so what is your new story this week, Chris? Well, the famously uh, tight-lipped Kevin Feige, apparently the Hollywood Reporter must have pumped a couple of drinks in him because he he, he uh, revealed quite a bit more than, by his standards, more than he usually does. Uh, one of those things as the upcoming Fantastic Four film, which is going to kick off phase six, yeah, six, um, is not going to be an origin story. He said, quote, a lot of people know this origin, a lot of people know the basics, How do we take that and bring something that they've never seen before? We've set a very high bar for ourselves with bringing that to the screen, end quote. And so, of course, um, in both film franchises, the 2005 Fantastic Four that we just reviewed um, and applied our fixes to uh, just a few episodes ago, there's, of course, an origin story there that is pretty page for page, panel for panel with what we got in the 1961 comic, FF number one. And then you have a weird, I'm going to try to censor myself here, whatever that was in Fant Forstick in 2015. Um, good, I avoided it. See, my sailor talk went by the wayside there. Um, but anyways, so um, some fans 
uh, are claiming that unlike Batman or Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four's origin story is not as well known and they see this as a misstep. But I'm on the other side of that because I think you could easily tell this in a couple of flashback things. And if not, just Google it. I don't think we need to beat a dead horse every time with an origin story. Every single time we see uh, a superhero movie come uh, onto the screen. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and actually stand against my partner, Chris, here. And I will say that I think they should have, if not, you know, an, an origin movie, then at the very least, an origin sequence. I'm not a big fan of um, uh, origin movies, you know, where you have like half to three quarters of the movie before the superhero ever even suits up. Um, but I do think you can have a, an opening, like 15-minute sequence or something that kind of establishes sort of the, the background of this interpretation of the characters and some ground rules. I mean, you know, I write for All-Star Superman, uh, which is very much, you know, assumes that you know a lot about Superman. But even that has like a two-page recap that is like the most quintessential. This is, you know, the bare bones, what you need to know about Superman to get the story. Um, so I, I, I think there is room... Um, for something there. And I think it is almost a little too bold at this point to assume that people, you know, in the general audience are like, oh, yeah, 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 we know what happened to the Fantastic Four. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, even when we were talking about uh, very recently, like, you know, how to fix the Fantastic Four movie from, what is it, 2005? Um, you know, one of the things I said is, you know, make it a period piece, um, reinvent a little bit the origin story instead of linking it to the you know space race and all that. Maybe do yeah. something with with the negative zone. Like you know, there are there are things you can do with that that can tie to an interesting overarching uh, narrative. So I guess in short is that I think um, sometimes I think Feige's getting just a little bit cocky. Like I yeah. wasn't the biggest fan with how they handled the Spider Man thing. I didn't need a full on origin movie. But it would have been nice to get a little bit something out of that, uh, a little bit of background of this version of Spider-Man. Um, they kind of just like, you know, dumped them on us and were like, here you go, they're Spider-Man because you just had two origin movies. But I don't think necessarily comparing the vast success of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man and even the you know, compared to very, very successful, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield, like those movies were, you know, very popular and very widely seen and still fairly recent when we got Tom Holland's version. Now we look at the Fantastic Four, we had two movies that were, you know, very much before the big superhero boom, were not nearly as successful, you know, telling origin stories. And I don't think anybody saw Fantastic. Like, uh, that that movie just was a blip on the radar. So to say that like this is a super well-known origin story that is like permeating popular culture, I don't necessarily think so. Now, do I want an origin movie like two hours of, you know, look, these are my powers and I must explore them before I can suit up? No. But do I think there's room for like a 15-minute sequence or something at the beginning and then you like cut and have a flash forward and now they're like adventurers and, and you know, doing their thing? Absolutely, I think that that is a good idea. Would you be, this just hit me. I feel like I've seen this in a superhero movie before, but I'm just blanking on where I saw it. Like the opening credit sequence is an origin story of, of sorts. I think some, even something like that would be cool. Even like done as like comic book panels, you know, I think there are things that can be done like that very easily. Um, but yeah, I don't want an origin movie, but I also don't want them to just like 
do what they did with Spider-Man, which is kind of dump them in our lap and be like, you just had two movies of origin stories. Even though this version of Spider-Man's different, guess what? Uh, here he is, you know? Like, I, I, I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah, I'm also becoming increasingly obsessed with nonlinear storytelling with things like The Witcher and um, and Westworld. And like, so I think it would be kind of cool, even if they kind of, you know, really played with something and they you show up and you see them fighting crime as is. But then you kind of have like some flashbacks and, and stuff. I don't know if you could do that in like a, a film as opposed to like a television series, but I think it'd be cool nonetheless. All right, that wraps up our nerd news segment. When we come back from this, our first break, we are going to break down all the big hits from San Diego Comic-Con. Stick around. Welcome back to the main segment of this episode, better known as the byword. And in this week's episode, we are reacting to all the big news, reveals, trailers, nuggets, what have you, of San Diego Comic-Con, which as of the time that you're listening to this, it's been a couple weeks and you've had time to stew on it. So we're going to serve this up kind of um, badminton style. Dave, I'll serve it up and you just give me your instant reaction. If we go, I don't care about this, fine. If we toss it back and volley a couple times, all the better. Here we go. Dave, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves trailer. Uh, who cares? <laughs> I I care about the cast. I'm really excited about this cast. We got Chris Pine, uh, Reggae's John Page, uh, and Hugh Grant. I'm super excited about this cast. I still would love to be involved in D&D. Um, I had something set up as seems like it was not going to go through, but I, I, I want to be involved in Dungeons and Dragons. I finally have free time. I think one of the things that we have to remember is that there's a, there's a gulf of difference between your, you, you know, your interest and or love of the game and anticipating that a movie being actually decent. Uh, they've tried to adapt Dungeons and Dragons a couple of times, but you know, the problem is that you're not really adapting a set of characters or a particular story. What makes Dungeons and Dragons great is how wide open it is and how every campaign, every event is a story to itself and you're creating your own characters and and none of that obviously is there in the movie. So uh, given the nature of what Dungeons and Dragons is, I do not see how a movie will ever be able to competently capture that because by nature of being a movie, it is locking down all those things that are wide open actually. you know, in the actual, um, you know, game. So that's why I have very little interest. I think that's fair. And that's probably what interests me the most about the prospect of getting into D&D. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so Disney uh, gave us the first look um, with a clip from Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, upcoming animated series. Um, We've got a pretty great cast, Alison Brie, Andy Cohen, Jennifer Hudson. Dave, did you see this little clip? I did see this little clip, and I think it's it's a great concept. I've not read any of the uh, actual comics yet, but I've really wanted to uh, because the concept looks so very cool. Um, and if, if they do this right, I think this could be a real little sort of sleeper hit, like one that people don't expect is going to come out of nowhere and just be really, really good. 
Yeah, I think, um, and we we referenced this in the Ms. Marvel episode, is is one of my favorite things about that series is that I shared it with my daughter, who's five, and I've always been looking for like a gateway, I guess, to get her involved in the nerdy stuff, because she's very girly girl, and I think this might be another perfect thing for us to enjoy together. Absolutely, I think so too. All right, so I don't know how much we want, how much time we want to spend on this, but Gotham Knight updates a gameplay trailer featuring Batgirl, famously at one of the previous conventions. Uh, the gameplay was revealed to a lot of criticism, and Joker is not in the game. You have any thoughts on this game, Dave? Good that the Joker isn't in the game. Good that Batman isn't in the game. I think it's a it's a really interesting idea to focus, you know, on the on the sort of uh, Batman family, the extended family, the, the supporting cast. However, uh, the gameplay has really turned me off. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that they're doing in there that makes them look more like like Metis rather than being something like a, a street-level hero. I'm not a big fan of that. Also not really a fan of some of the statements they've made about Batgirl and her recovery from being Oracle and how that's very sort of was pretty dismissively phrased. <sighs> The more I see this game, the more I think that on a mechanical level, it might be a fine game to play. But as soon as you plug in, you know, these Batman characters, it doesn't seem to quite fit. So I'm I'm, I'm not as optimistic as I used to be. I'll just kind of reserve judgment. Yeah, I think I'm going to wait for this one to either go on Game Pass. And if it doesn't, maybe like a steep, steep digital discount. There's not a lot. I I'm, There's there's no way as of yet from what I've seen that it's like a day one purchase. Um, as much as I am interested in the storyline aspect of working with the Bat family, the protégés, if you will, uh, definitely not enough to overcome my reservations. All right. Um, our nerdy grandpa that has lost his way of sorts, uh, William Shatner is Captain Kirk is joining forces with Luke Skywalker in a sense. William Shatner is joining Kevin Smith's Master of the Universe Revolution. Yeah, you know, uh, William Shatner is all nice and dandy. Uh, you know, voice work, I think, suits him very well. He's kind of advanced in age right now. It's a great way to stay involved uh, in, in the acting world. Um, what I find much more interesting about that announcement is that I wasn't actually aware that Kevin Smith's Master of the Universe was actually getting a, another season. That's really what's exciting to me because that first round was really, really, really good. So William Shatner's in there, sure, whatever. I'm much more excited that we're getting more of this version of Masters of the Universe, you know, that direct continuation of the old 80s series because that first round ended up being so good and I really liked it. So, hey, I'm, I'm there for this. This is one of the more exciting things that I've heard out of, you know, San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, we're not going to comment on William Shatner's comments on quote-unquote New Trek because he's just lost his way. He didn't evolve with the times and get real. Um, not to be confused, however, with the other He-Man Netflix show, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe Season 3, got a trailer. It's arriving on the platform August 18th, so very, very soon. Skeletor's causing trouble again. The hero is forced to flee his ghost and undead, undead snake men army. I believe this is our friend of the show, one of your all-time faves, Brian Q. Miller's project, Dave, yeah? Yeah, and there, you again, you can see that even I am not completely immune from the uh, ravages of nostalgia. I have not even dove into this yet, even though I'm such a big fan of, of, of Brian's work, just because it's, you know, hashtag not my He-Man. It's very, very difficult for me to wrap my head around, you know, the, the new interpretation and the redesigns and everything. Um, I am going to eventually try to give this a chance. 
but you know my nostalgia adult brain is much more connected with with kevin smith's show i think right now um so you know but you know anybody who loves the show and it's very much i think aimed more at at kids than than you know the the 80s revival which makes sense um it's it obviously i'm not the intended audience but eventually i'm going to try to give it a look um you know good on the show it's obviously successful and you know i'm glad that this concept masters of the universe gets you know a, a chance to shine for today's youth so that's all great uh it might just be that i'm just not the intended audience for this one man all right speaking of nostalgia bait that i am completely hook, line, and sinker for. The Ultimate 90s crossover is coming back. The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers TMNT comic writer Ryan Perrott and cover artist Dan Mora are both returning to create a sequel to the previously nerd-commended 2019 series. I absolutely love the first one. Super excited about this. Dave, did you check that one out yet? I did not check it out. I'm going to put it on my list, though, because I'm a big fan of both properties and everything that I've read about what Boom has been doing with Mighty Morphin is easily as exciting as what IDW has been doing with TMNT. So I I need to dive more into Boom's Mighty Morphin books. And I definitely need to check out this crossover. It, it's it's very exciting. And you know how mind-blowing that two things that we loved as children get to cross over like this. Uh, and repeatedly at that. It's, it's so cool, man. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons that I can make an exception... I'm right there with you. I need to check out the regular Mighty Morphin title because I've heard great things as well. I think one of the reasons, though, that I can step aside my no-nostalgia bit is because it's not just this is the stuff just like back in the day it's like an ongoing thing and it's like really well done and it's a continuing storyline rather than just like here are some easter eggs that are cute exactly yeah i mean both you know idw and boom have sort of reinvented the franchises that they're working on a little bit and modernized them and are pushing them forward and i think that makes these kinds of crossovers much more interesting than just straight up nostalgia and at least for that crossover, it was really easy to jump in, too. You didn't really need any prior knowledge of either property, to be honest. Yeah, that's cool, man. All right, let's try to keep this one brief because we've already droned on about it for so long, for so long. But according to DC Comics CCO Jim Lee, um, there are no plans to work with Zack Snyder on their film franchise going forward. Thank Jesus. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, so I actually downloaded the beta version to this, and it was a good deal of fun. It's like if Fortnite and Smash Brothers had a baby, but like without the annoying bits of um, the Fortnite. At least Fortnite. From, 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 from my perspective, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to come across. It's just like if that's your cup of tea, God's bless. It's just not mine. So the, um, the Warner Brothers crossover game Multiverses is getting none other than NBA superstar LeBron James added to his roster. Um Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty is coming as well. I played a couple of matches with this game. Um, it's really, really just dumb fun. And just having that roster of Warner Brothers characters, like having Bugs Bunny and Superman square off against, you know, Rick and Morty is is just really dumb mash up fun. And see, this sounds like my kind of thing. I mean, that was really the intention behind Smash back in the day, too, was just, hey, we're going to take all these Nintendo characters and let them beat the snot out of each other. I'll never even forget the the commercial um, from for, for the first Smash game, which was like these, these people in like Nintendo character suits frolicking in a meadow to happy together, and then suddenly they just started beating the snot out of each other. It was borderline traumatizing to see the commercial when you're a small kid. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, 
but yeah, this kind of dumb fun sounds sounds right up my alley. So I'm I'm excited to give this one a shot. I've not tried it yet, but I'm I'm excited to see what it likes. Now, you know what it's like, but yeah, is LeBron technically a Warner character just because he did Space Jam too? Like that seems. Odd. I um, guess he signed a contract. Maybe I guess. Yeah, but uh, but yeah. Other than that, I think I think this is really kind of cool, man. Um, I'll never forget like my middle school after school program with the YMCA. Like they had N64s, and like it was like a battle after school to run and sign up first to to who could play Smash Brothers. I believe that, man. All right, Dave. This this news is probably more geared towards myself rather than you. You have detailed. Um, to a great extent, your your struggle with Tolkien. But uh, the upcoming Amazon series, Amazon Prime series, Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, gave us a, a really extensive uh, three-minute trailer showing the creation of a Balrog, uh, a lot of other Middle-earth good stuff, uh, Morphid Clark's Galadriel, uh, the Cursed Blade from Mordor, and a young Sauron that looks like he stormed the capital on January the 6th. So that was a perfect meme. Um, and then further, they confirmed that the female dwarves will indeed have beards. So any chance that we can swing you over to Middle Earth, Dave? I mean, you know, I'll probably give it a, give it a look. Um, I, I like actually fantasy, just not nearly as much as, as you know, sci-fi. Um, I think it's actually much funnier that a young Sauron looks more like Eminem. Like I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, st- I'm, I'm worried he's gonna start. There, there was some great, there was some great memes. Like he was just like mom spaghetti and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean it looks interesting. I'll probably give it a shot. I just, I always found you know Tolkien to be a little drier than than you know all that, but. You know, this is obviously trying to do some push it in a little bit of a different direction as a prequel. I think they're working really carefully with like the estate too to make sure it all fits together. And you know, there's probably something here that I'll at the very least check out. I think for me, my biggest struggle, even as a fan of Tolkien peripherally, I want I've always wanted to be more of an in depth fan, but I just find it not as approachable as other fantasy IPs. Kind of like you know, The Witcher is just like let's just dive in, let's go. The Witcher is probably my favorite piece of of fantasy fiction uh, that I've encountered in, in, easily in a tw- in twenty years. I absolutely adore The Witcher, man. Especially the books. The books are fantastic. The game, every I, I love everything about it. All right, uh, we move now to the Marvel Animation panel, and here's another great show that we can watch with the kiddos, Dave. The I Am Groot uh, animated shorts. These are going to be super super short. Go figure. But uh, coming August the tenth. Yeah, so uh, I looked at the preview uh, clip for that, and it looks cute enough. And I'm a big fan of like animated shorts, you know, going all the way back to like the Looney Tunes stuff. So I'm sure this is going to be, you know, a, a good deal of fun. I'm I'm almost afraid sometimes that we've reached sort of baby Groot saturation at this point. <laughs> like I don't know how much more baby Groot we need. Um, but I am interested to see what they did with this because, like I said, I'm a big fan of animated shorts. So I'll I'll be checking these out. Also, I also, I guess, call this an, a bonus nerd commendation. The ones that they did around Toy Story 4 were really cute with Forky. Forky asks a question with Tony Hale. I also think the world of Tony Hale. I'm a big fan of Arrested Development uh, Buster. Um, and then also, he's also Dr. Psycho and Harley Quinn. So um, that was, and, those, and are, those are much more family friendly, much more family friendly than, than his actions in the Harley Quinn animated series. Absolutely. Especially with regards to women. Uh, <laughs> yep. All right, dude, Dave, this was one of my most pleasant surprises. 
Um, this was previously announced, I want to say like the D23 or something previously. And I was just like, oh, it's okay, whatever. But now with some of the revelations we got from this, I'm like, this is one of the things I'm most looking forward to. Spider-Man freshman year animated series is coming to Disney Plus 2024. Charlie Cox is voicing Daredevil. Um, we're getting like a full cast. Um, this is this is really, really cool. Like we're getting um, uh the Osborns are uh, people of color in this series, which makes the hair pattern finally make sense after 60 years. Um, I'm really, really excited for this series. Yeah, so the you know I've heard the howls of um, general pissed offness online that this is actually not going to be in continuity with the MCU, and I'm like, that's the best thing that could have happened to this animated mm-hmm. series is not being in continuity with the MCU, yeah. not being beholden to that, you know. And sort of the jumping off point seems to be, you know, you know that scene where um, Spider-Man, you know, Peter Parker comes home and Tony Stark is in his house and said, it's you know, it's Norman Osborn, and Norman Osborn yes. is sort of the mentor figure. And I think this that's a, a great jumping off point. Um, and so I'm I'm more excited about this now, knowing it is not going to be in continuity with the MCU than I initially was. Because, you know, at some point you're like, well, he's never going to properly suit up a Spider-Man because he didn't get a proper Spider-Man suit until, you know, he met Tony Stark. Um, so this is like a much, much more interesting premise. It's much more wide open. It can go into all sorts of interesting directions, which if it's beholden to the MCU, it would not. So I am, I'm much more excited for this than I initially was. And what I, what I, from what I understand it, it is within the continuity of the MCU. And I don't understand why this is so difficult for some people. We're literally in the multiverse saga. So why is this not just an AU where it's Norman Osborn instead of Tony Stark? Exactly. So, um, and then what What most might think be, to be my most excited thing, and, and I'm very excited for it. I have one caveat. The X-Men 97 series is arriving Disney Plus next year, uh, fall 2023, uh, during the animation panel at Comic-Con. The series brings back all the favorites from the original uh, animated series from the 90s, Rogue, Beast, Wolverine, Scott, Jean, everybody. Uh, noticeably missing is Charles Xavier, but that's fine. I don't care. Um, there is also, <laughs> uh, this is picking up where the animated series left off. Big announcements here. Magneto is the leader of the X-Men. Thank you, gods. This is going to be so great. Also, Nightcrawler and Sunspot are joining the cast. I win. I absolutely win. The only caveat that I have, the only glaring problem is Storm's hair. The mullet um, hawk, yeah. yeah. It's, it, the mullet hawk. And it is still prototypical, like, white hair texture. It's bad, 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 bad. That's the only thing that is bad about this. Everything else I'm excited for. Well, I will I will probably add one more caveat to that. And that is that I'm not really a fan of that particular Magneto design with the ginormous M across his chest. It seems a little on the nose. And I was never a, design, a fan of that design to begin with. Uh, I'm sure that might be heretical in some uh, X-Men circles, but you know me, I'm I'm, I'm heretical when it comes to the X-Men. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm actually excited for this as well. I, I have very fond memories of the original animated series, and I'm interested to see how they uh, how they bring that back. Yeah, for sure. All right, Dave, maybe this is more up your alley even. Uh, Marvel Zombies is going to be a much more graphic approach um, than other MCU entries. 
and it will include all the quote gore and splatter you want from a zombie show end quote um so this is of course spinning off from that one marvel what if episode into its own full-fledged series yeah so i actually never read marvel zombies yet it's on my list of things that i want to catch up on my only real exposure to marvel zombies was um back in the day when i was reading ultimate fantastic four they had a crossover with the marvel zombies universe for one storyline um but uh it, it being marvel and it being zombies and me being you know a big fan of horror i'm probably going to check this out um probably will try to read you know some of the marvel zombies comics before this comes along to kind of get a better sense for what i'm getting into but yeah i find this i find this intriguing all right now on to the blink and you'll miss it dceu panel um dc released uh the first full trailer to shazam fury of the gods um that is Comic-Con the second Pandemic. the second appearance of Eminem on this episode of the Nerd Byword. I was kind of oh, shocked yeah, that we talk about this much Eminem. <laughs> uh, the, uh, and that'll I'm going to put the cap on that, so that'll that'll be the the, the limit. Um, I, will now, I will now try to include Eminem at least one more time before the end of the oh, podcast. Jeez. Okay, so we got the first looks um, as uh, of Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu in the roles of the antagonist sisters of. I'm drawing a blank here, DC guy. Um, what did you think of this trailer? I find it very exciting. I mean, the music obviously was a choice, but um, getting sort of the, the the full Shazam family setup and and you know um, uh, you know Billy Batson kind of working through some self doubt and 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 all that. I thought that was very interesting. I thought it was once again a, a choice to include shots of the the Snyder verse justice league in the opening there when he's talking about other superheroes i I didn't think that was a good choice overall um but uh i I find you know i liked the first shazam a lot Uh, i thought it was a lot better than it had any right to be yeah um and so if they if they continue in the same vein i think uh we're gonna have a very very good uh, movie uh, on our hands and it's it's weird to say maybe a sleeper hit because after the first one people should know that you know this is actually a decent franchise to reckon with at the box office but i still think it's kind of flying under the radar for some reason the first shazam was very very good i'm excited for this one yeah if uh matt reeves the batman does not count as dceu i think shazam is easily my favorite dceu film it's like this diamond in the rough the first one really it was, I feel like it was even catered to me of like the found family of the non-traditional style of family pulled at all the right heartstrings for me. Um, I, I was, I was initially excited. You said it, the music choice was a choice. Um, I was initially excited when I saw this, but then I'm also, the more I sit with it, the more anxious I am is that it's not going to capture the magic of the first film. So I'm hopeful, but um, I'm not sure. Yeah, let's go ahead and just take a wait and see here, man. Um, I, I will say that Lucy Liu is the master of the universe um, in my world, so I'm excited for that. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and then to the other feature film, a brand new trailer for Black Adam shows off the newest DCU anti-hero, your favorite term for the character, face off against Adam Smasher, Dr. Fate, Hawkman, and Cyclone. Uh, I... As it stands right now, this film is actually going to release October the 21st. 
Well, the fact that this movie even exists seems to be a minor miracle considering the development hell it went through. Um, so, so first, I want to once again reiterate that uh, Black Adam doesn't have pointy ears, therefore this movie is invalid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um no really i'm actually i'm actually excited for this i quite like the rock i hope he just doesn't play you know a version of the rock again and he actually plays black adam in this i think we're burying the lead in a lot of ways here and that i'm more excited for seeing you know uh justice society uh characters on the big screen than i am for black adam probably seeing you know dr fate and, and hawkman cyclone of all characters seeing cyclone on the big screen is so cool i'm a real big fan of the of the JSA. And so even if we're just getting those four characters, that's already, you know, absolutely amazing. So I'm, I'm here for this movie, if maybe not for the same reason as some others. And I still maintain that I can't think of a more pitch perfect casting for Dr. Fate, uh, Kent Nelson than, than Pierce Brosnan. Like I'm so here for that. Oh, I am too. All right, Dave. Um, I don't know what to do with this. I, I know that I nerd commended the first season of Picard, but then the more I sat with it, the second season I haven't even started yet. And then the third and final season is just like a a family reunion of sorts with the original cast all coming back. Like it's just like at the nursing home. I, I, I mean, I don't mean to come across as whatever, but like, this is nostalgia bait of nostalgia bait of nostalgia bait. So Jordy's going to be their wharf, Dr. Crusher, Deanna Troy, Commander Riker, of course, Picard. Like, I don't, I don't know what we're doing here. It feels like in the first and second season, perhaps they were trying to, you know, use the Picard character to tell new stories, found themselves not as popular as they wanted. And now for the final season, they're just basically doing a greatest hits show. Um, I find that regrettable. I, you know, on the one hand, nice to see Worf again, maybe because I'm such a huge DS9 fan. Yeah, but yeah, but other than that, I have very little interest. I, but I also don't have the connection to the Next Generation era that some people have, I guess. And if you're a huge Next Gen fan, this might be exciting. You know, for me, it is. It's not really. You know, if you know, I if I want to see. You know, I don't want to see William Riker again. I want to see David Zanatos again from uh, from Gargoyles. You know, that's, a much, that's a much cooler role, you know. Uh, so I guess I want to see. Say, I want to see. I want to see Jonathan Frakes in a director's chair. That would be a in great anything, role for him. In anything, yeah, yeah. So I don't know, man. It's I, I guess it's one of those things where I'm just not the intended audience. All right, now onto the nerd commendation that I will keep beating over Dave's head until he finally sits down and watches it. Star Trek Lower Deck Season 3 received a new trailer and character posters during the franchise Comic-Con panel. Here you go. If you need nothing else, Dave, alongside a tease of Deep Space Nine, the trailer also features Beckett Mariner, Devon Attendee, Bradward Boimler, and Samantha Rutherford in their ongoing adventures. The my, my personal favorite Star Trek show going on right now. It is perfect. Well, I will say that my understanding is that this is like post Star Trek Nemesis. So this is like um, sort of in that DS9 next gen era, but takes place after the last uh, next gen movie, which means if we if they go to DS9, we get to see a post Ben Sisko DS9 in action. Uh, whether that's hu- played for humor or not, I would love to see that. So even even if it's just for that, I'm going to I'm going to stick my nose into that episode. <laughs> Well, they're in um, uh, in the trailer, I believe they're in Cisco's restaurant in New Orleans. And then the hot sauce, one of our friends in the Discord server, uh, Buick Space Wagon, picked up on this. The, the hot sauce is Ketracel White Hot Sauce. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I need to check this out. All right. So uh, 
This one's this one's for you, Dave. Maybe this is another way to pull you in. The worlds of live action and animation are going to collide. There is going to be a crossover between Star Trek Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks. As announced at the Franchise Comic-Con panel, an episode of New World's second season will see Tawny Newsom's Ensign Beckett Mariner and Jack Quaid's Ensign Bradward Boimler join the USS Enterprise. I will say, um, I've not watched Lower Decks, obviously, but as far as I'm concerned, what, what we call quote-unquote New Trek, Strange New Worlds is the best. And and I will watch I will watch every every episode of that show for as long as it runs. I adore Strange New World. I adore the cast. I adore the writing. Um, it it is the best that Trek has to offer. And and uh, you know if they want to do a crossover with an animated show, I'll watch that too. I just I love Strange New Worlds. It is so fantastic. Um. Okay. So this is something that I'm really interested to discuss with you, Dave. Several new clips poster for the Sandman. The upcoming Netflix series were released behind closed doors. Uh, the new clips showed an exorcism, the meeting of dream and death, and more. Kirby Howell Baptiste's commenting, quote, I spent an incredibly long time looking at relationships with death around the world, end quote, while preparing for the role. Now, I have tried several times to get into Neil Gaiman's The Sandman. I know this might be blasphemy. It just doesn't connect with me. I don't know. And that is perfectly fine because obviously the X-Men don't usually connect with me. So we all have our weak spots, right? Um, that being said, I would definitely give the show still a look. Um, it might be a better way in as they, you know, they, they'd switch some things up and modernize some things. It might be a better way in for you than going directly to the comic book. I know that's happened to me several times um, where, you know, I watch a movie and I'm like, you know, I really like this character. And then I go read the comic books and I have my in, you know, I'm like, oh, they changed this, but I understand why. And and, and then I ended up reading, you know, the, the whole comic run. So maybe this is your in the Sandman. I know I'm going to be checking it out. It's been years since I read the comic, but I absolutely adored it. Um, and so, I, but I, you know, I really like this like weird out there stuff anyway. So I, I'm, I'm really here for this show and I can't wait to check it out. Yeah. And, and it's not that it's, it's beautifully written. I absolutely love like the verbiage and everything. I'm a fan of Gaiman's writing his Marvel 1602, which he said he would love to do, but uh, doesn't doesn't look promising. I I still think like even if it's a what if episode of Marvel sixteen oh two, I would I would do anything for. So I love Gaiman's writing, and and maybe the third time's a charm. All right, so now the piece is resistance. It's the MCU of it all. Um, certainly, far and away, what gave us the most meat and potatoes of San Diego Comic Con. We're gonna have to fly here, Dave. Marvel is going to conclude Phase Four of the MCU this year with She-Hulk and Black Panther Wakanda Forever series and film revealed during company the company's Comic-Con panel. Boss Kevin Feige also revealed which films will be part of the incoming Phase 5. Uh, an official... Uh, this one we have danced around quite a bit, but it's officially confirmation. Um, Daredevil series, Daredevil Born Again, will be a part of Phase 5 after Charlie Cox made his MCU debut in Spider-Man No Way Home. Marvel Studios boss Kevin Feige announced the brand new series at Marvel's Comic-Con panel, 18-episode series. I think we talked about this in our news uh, um, our news episode last week, did we not? Yes, we did. Um, so if we're going to talk about anything about, you know, the wrap-up of maybe Phase 4, um, you know, the, the new footage coming out of uh, She-Hulk, the CGI obviously seems much improved. Uh, we get our first fourth-wall break. Um, I find She-Hulk to be, you know, an absolutely great character, and I'm really excited to see what they do with it. And uh, Tatiana Maslany is absolutely flawless. So 
I can't wait to see her in action. Um, as far as Black Panther Wakanda Forever, I think the, the trailer struck the right notes. It's obviously a teaser. Um, it's not giving away a whole lot of the story. I, I, I kind of described to you, I think the trailer more as a mood piece on grief. Um, and, and I thought that was a very smart move. Uh, from a marketing perspective, don't give too much away, but kind of you know just give people a sense of the feel of the tr- of the movie. I thought that was good, um, and I'm looking forward to to both of these projects a great deal. Yeah, I think um, just my initial reaction to She Hulk. I love like the training segments, particularly between Bruce and um, and Jen. And I, I, I think I'm really really excited for this. I'm not as well versed in She Hulk. As I'd like to be, I still plan to do a deep dive uh, going ahead of of the series beginning. Um, but I'm very, very excited. And that first fourth wall break, and it, it's funny because like I'm not typically like a fourth wall type person. Maybe it's Deadpool's fault. It just doesn't strike with me. I think this is going to be much more up my alley um, with that regard. But I'm very, very excited about that. And then I think for me, Wakanda Forever, I've watched the trailer at least three times a day every day since it was released. Um, there's a new moment or sequence every time that, um, that I get emotional. Like it's like an activator of the tear, uh, of the tear ducts. Um, somebody said it perfectly online. I think is like, can you win an Academy award for a trailer? Like, it's and, it, just, it, and it's, it's very good music choice too, right? It's perfect. And the, and the way that it transitions from no woman, no cry into, you know, Kendrick Lamar's all right. Like, at the at the specific moment that it does that is is just pitch perfect. Um, Would I you think, say that when you watch the trailer, you lose yourself in the music, the moment? Stop it! <laughs> There's my third Eminem reference. All right, there we go, and and that's it. Uh, that's the end of that trilogy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I think just for me, being someone, and I tweeted this, you know, the day of the release, is like you know I fell in love with the Spanish language and Latina culture you know, at a very young age when I saw The Mask of Zorro in fifth grade. And um, not now looking back, it does not hold up as well, you know, having Sir Anthony Hopkins, Lord love him, you know, as as a Latino character doesn't really work. But um, it's been like a head over heels thing. And then, of course, my love for like deities across the globe and seeing Namor, or as, you know, my Spanish speaking friends call him Namor, um, <laughs> Or el submarino, um, seeing Tenochtuerta, uh, a man of indigenous Mexican lineage, um, in that traditional Mesoamerican style. Whether it's, I can see both the influence of both the, both the Aztec and the Mayan, um, and then all the news that has kind of been leaked out since then. That um, and this, this, I'm, I'm not sure if you saw this, Dave, but like uh, there are rumors. Um, that it will not be Atlantis, that it will be Tlaloc, um, which is based in Aztec mythology. Yep. Tlalocan. Uh, so that is just so freaking cool. And another way to make him stand out versus Arthur Curry. But not just for standing out sake, but paying homage to this beautiful culture that has gone so criminally underrepresented. So there's there's so much to love here. Um, I think that the recast T'Challa crowd can go get wrecked i mean like it's very clear that there is a possibility of t'challa coming you know returning later on throughout these phases i mean like we've got a perfect gateway with the multiverse of it all but 
I think it is very clear through this trailer and all the subsequent statements from the creative team behind the scenes that this entire film is a beautiful, beautiful tribute to Chadwick Boseman and his passing and honoring his memory. Um, and uh, one more thing, like the speech by Angela Bassett, like is just like earth shattering and can't get enough of that. So I'm just super, super excited for this film, every aspect of it. And I, I'm, I'm just ready for November to be here. Yeah, man. I'm ready for this, too. It looks really good. All right. Uh, the long-teased Blade film starring Mahershala Ali, November 3rd of next year. Precious little details, no footage or anything, but a release date finally coming there. I'm hoping we get, like, a Midnight Suns type of deal. Uh, we saw, of course, or we heard, of course, uh, Mahershala Ali's voice at the end of The Eternals with the Black Knight, uh, Kit Harrington's character. So I'm really, really excited about this. Um, I know that, um, you know, the Wesley Snipes interpretation of the character is kind of like the golden standard, uh, as it rightfully should be. But I'm also excited because I'm a big fan of Mahershala Ali uh, and and his work. And I think one of the big, big missteps of the Netflix Marvel era was killing off his Cottonmouth character so, so soon. But then again, it opened the door for this to happen. You know, I'm a big fan of Mahershala Ali already for a long, long time, even going back to like the 4400 on, on USA back in the day. Um, so I'm excited for this movie from that perspective. I will freely admit I've never been the biggest Blade fan. Um, I don't I don't think I've ever read a really, really good Blade comic book, I guess is the thing. Maybe I need somebody to recommend me some. Um, you know, it seems like every time he pops up, things just kind of are meh, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I think I liked his appearance in the old Spider-Man animated series, um, but that's about it. Uh, I didn't like the, the the Wesley Snipes movies that well. They were, you know, even in retrospect, they're very much of its time. Um, uh, so I don't think they necessarily aged very well, too. Uh, but I, I'm hopeful that the MCU can do something really interesting. When you have an actor of that caliber playing Blade, you just got to be there for it, man. Yeah, Um which transitions next into um, MCU's Secret Invasion series. Um, it will arrive Disney Plus Spring 2023. New footage was also shown, was not released to the public, but it featured Nick Fury landing and walking out of a spaceship. Any reaction here? Rampant speculation, Dave? I don't know enough to really speculate, so I'm just going to kick back and wait. I would like for this to be really good. You know, there was a lot of uh, speculation that Secret Invasion would be a, a movie eventually. The fact that they're taking a, a very famous, uh, recognizable crossover event and are just shunting it aside as a as a Disney Plus miniseries seems odd. So I'm not quite sure what to expect from this. All right, so a lot happened during this panel. Phase 5 was announced, and then moments later, it was announced that the Thunderbolts film will be its conclusion and is going to release July 26, 2024. Um, obviously, the lead up to this has been um, Contessa Valentina DeFontaine's uh, character kind of doing her recruiting role, uh, played by uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Any thoughts on this, Dave? Uh, currently, unless I see something, I'm not interested. I never, I've never enjoyed a Thunderbolt comic book yet. It feels a little bit... Uh... A little bit Suicide Squatty, only not not as well known, I guess. Um, not not interested unless they hook me with a good trailer or some some footage or interesting characters or something. Right now, there's not enough here. Like what we've seen so far from the recruiting and stuff, I don't think there's enough here to really get excited for yet. 
All right, so we got official title for that fourth Captain America film. Captain America New World Order is going to release May 3rd, 2024. Anthony Feature Mackie. Hulk Hogan, Kevin, Kevin Nash, and Scott, uh, <laughs> Scott. Yeah, yeah, never mind. Anthony Mackie is coming back, and it follows the events of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Here's hoping it was better, because that was the only dud of a Disney Plus show, in my opinion. I think what made it a dud for many people is that it should have said something and it didn't, you know, like it had, it, it had a great opportunity to really say something and it didn't. But uh, if I divorce myself from the need for it to say something, uh, I think what I learned from that show is that I absolutely adore Anthony Mackie's Captain America. Um, and so I'm really, really excited for this movie. I, you know, I've been, I've been waiting for, for Falcon Cap to, to be on the big screen. Like I'm ready for this man. Yeah. I think, um, my biggest issue aside from what you said is it's supposed to be his coming out party. And as the tropes of all the tropiest of all tropes is we didn't get him in the suit until like the last, um, the, the last episode. And like, and, and even before that though, he was barely featured in a lot of parts of it. So that was another big critique that I had. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next we're talking Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Media, behind closed doors footage, so we didn't get to see it, of course, but Kang the Conqueror, played by Jonathan Majors, who is promising to be the next big bad of the MCU, at least in part, alongside MODOK and Bill Murray. You know, the thing about uh, the Ant-Man franchise is that I like it a lot more than it seems a lot of other people do. Um, I know, you know, there was a lot of behind the scenes crap, you know, going on with the first Ant-Man, but I liked it a great deal regardless. I really liked Ant-Man and the Wasp as well. I, I think there is something playful and fun about this franchise that seems much more natural than some MCU projects where the humor part seems to be, I guess, forced. Here it is, it, it's natural. It comes sort of out of, out of you know, a lot of charm of, of the actors involved and stuff. So I'm really excited for this. I'm I'm cl- I'm glad we live in a world where there's a third Ant-Man movie. Like who would have thought, you know? Like it's it's just an absolutely fun little franchise within the MCU and I I really like it. So even if I didn't see the footage, I'm already excited for this. All right, another behind closed doors trailer, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, the final uh film that James Gunn said that he will be a part of for the Guardians franchise. Um Will Poulter is, of course, going to be playing um, Adam Warlock. And we've got confirmation that Takuri Uji, who worked with Gunn on um, the Peacemaker series, showed up in full costume for the High Evolutionary. Personally, I love that they're going for the weird parts of the Marvel Universe again. And High Evolutionary is indeed one of those parts. I have... (sighs) You know, despite all the, the the crap that's sprung up over the last few years, you know, around uh, certain actors involved, um, I have such a love for the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise as it was executed in the MCU. I, I love that first movie with a red hot glowing passion. I like the second movie a great deal, too. Um, I love how James Gunn goes about, you know, building these stories even if it takes some reinterpreting the characters because every time when he reinterprets a character it seems to add to the character rather than subtract um it, it it's almost a little heartbreaking to think this is going to be the last one of these we're going to get um i'm very very excited to watch watch another guardians of the galaxy movie and it always feels like whenever the guardians pop up in anybody else's movie they're always slightly off they're just they, they feel like 
they feel like dollar store guardians or something, you know, um, and, and great value guardians, I guess they, they weren't quite themselves in the Avengers movies. They weren't quite, quite themselves in, in, you know, Thor love and thunder either. I think, um, it seems like they're always just slightly off unless James Gunn is right there, making sure that they're, they're on brand and, and seeing that one more time is going to be a joy. Uh, I neglected to mention that the trailer that was shown to fans in attendance shows Gamora running part of the Ravagers and Quill finally getting to confront her again. So that is probably going to be one of the major threads going here as far as plot. Um, but yeah, the first the first Guardians is probably right up there in my top three of MCU entries. It's the first film that you and I saw together in attendance. It was really, really cool. And I just remember it's just like especially when the the Nova Squadron connected the ships and built that wall. It was just like, this is almost like we're watching the original trilogy of Star Wars again. It was that much of a spectacle. It was really, really, per- uh, you know, perfect. And the charm was there, which is, yeah. you know, something that oftentimes <laughs> yeah. we talk about, like the prequel Star Wars did lack that charm. You know, Gar- Guardians is is space opera with charm. And, and I loved it for that. Still love it for that. Can't wait for this last one. All right, so I'm going to do a couple of quick hits here. Some Phase 4 and Phase 5 stuff that was confirmed or further announced. Uh, We got Loki Season 2, Further Adventures in the Multiverse. Echo arriving, both of those arriving next summer. Ironheart in the fall. And Agatha, Coven of Chaos, which was renamed in the winter. Which of those are you most excited for, Dave? Oh, that's hard. I think Ironheart has a potential to be a sort of a scene stealer. I'm I'm hoping that they do this right. I think Riri Williams is a cool character. I think probably least interested in the Agatha thing, uh, even though uh, I forget the actress's name. I Catherine think she was, Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn was so fantastic in um you know um the the Scarlet Witch show. Ah, what is it called again? WandaVision. It was I thought I thought her acting there was fantastic, but conceptually. I'm just not that interested in the Agatha character. I loved the first season of Loki. I like that kind of time travel shenanigans stuff that they were doing there. Um, so I, I find I find another Loki season to be very, really it's very Doctor very Doctor Who esque. Would you agree? Very much so, and I and I loved it for that. And then Echo, I think I think out of these, probably I'm most excited for season two of Loki and for Echo because we know you know. First of all, I really like the Echo character in Hawkeye, yes. and then we're getting yes. we're getting more Charlie Cox Daredevil. Um, I think that's a winning combination for me. And D'Onofrio's Fisk. Yeah, I think I think Echo slightly edges Loki for that. I think Alakwa Cox and her portrayal was absolutely just like riveting. And so that's the one I'm probably most excited for. Um, I don't have as much of an experience with Ironheart, so that might that might be at the bottom of my power ranking of those of those few. But Echo is definitely number one on my list there. All right, so once again, we have two Avengers films um, within a year's time. We have Avengers Kang Dynasty and Avengers Secret Wars, actually confirmed the worst kept secret about the MCU. Those will conclude phase six. Um, It was revealed that Fantastic Four is going to kick off that sixth phase. Um, Since uh, the Comic-Con panel concluded it was confirmed that um, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings director, Daniel Destin Cretton, is going to be the director for the Kang Dynasty. So that's very, very exciting. It's weird to me that we're getting Phase 4 and Phase 5 without any Avengers movies. 
you know, I know that they're doing like a lot of rebuilding. There's a lot of um, passing of the baton, so to speak. You know, the mantles are passed on. We're getting new actors and new roles. And some people are fading into the background, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. But it feels odd to me that they're letting an, a name that, ha- you know, like the Avengers, a movie franchise that has generated so much stinking money. And they're letting it sit there and do nothing until 2025. Um, that That's mind-blowing to me. Really, um, more, more so than anything we know about the movies. Obviously, the Kang Dynasty is going to feature Kang. Secret Wars is obviously not going to be like in the comic books. It's going to have to go through a serious reinterpretation for the big screen. Beyond that, we know very little. Uh, I'm obviously excited. I love Avengers flicks. I love it when all these characters get together. And with so many new characters in the mix, it's probably going to be really interesting. Um, but there's like, we know basically nothing. And we're going through, you know, two phases of you know, MCU without any Avengers. And that seems odd, I guess. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people have made the comment that phase four has been lackluster. But I think when you really sit back and consider like just the the magnum opus that was the Infinity Saga coming to a conclusion, you're going to, it's, it's going to pale in comparison no matter what. And then in addition, you had your two, like centerpieces of those first three phases leave the franchise. It's going to take some time, I think. So I'm, I'm a, I'm a little bit more patient than most. Um, but I definitely see those criticisms and, and, and it is, it is interesting to see the trajectory change up so much. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we have colored outside the lines a little bit, but, um, the final thing that was, uh, part of the MCU panel at San Diego Comic-Con was the Black Panther Wakanda Forever panel. Um, they had the beautiful um, musical performance um, and then, uh, you know, the cast come out and then um, and then the trailer was released. Um, but before we wrap up this big uh, Byword Big Talk, the one of the biggest things to come out, not only of this trailer, but all of Comic-Con, Dave, is of course we hear the words from Kendrick Lamar and when I wake up and there is another Panther. So right now, as of this recording, Dave, who's your pick for the new Panther? Uh, I think there is a question of who I think it will be and who I'd like it to be. Um, I think there's a big, you know, gulf between that. I sometimes feel like they're going to go the obvious route and Shuri is going to be the next Black Panther. Um, you know, obviously being in the royal family and all that makes the most, you know, sense. She's done it in the comic books. And I have a feeling sometimes the MCU has a tendency of going the obvious route. Um, now, um, if you were to ask me who I think it should be, I would say Nakia. Um, if I'm saying that name right, it's the... the... Yeah, thank you. I'm awesome. Um, Nailed I it! Nakia, I think Nakia would be the much more interesting choice. Uh, somebody who's you know not necessarily part of the royal families from outside a little bit um, had a, you know a different kind of connection to T'Challa. I, I think that would be much more interesting from a storytelling perspective. Yeah, it was really funny. Someone said that the entire internet has turned into butt experts of like analyzing the gluteus maximus of this character for the past however many hours. Um, I, I I think what is really really cool about this franchise and how quickly within one film has created such a connection from people, not only for the black community around the world, but for people of all 
colors and creeds is that we have like five possibilities, maybe even more so of who this could be. And all of them would be satisfying from a storytelling perspective. My number one pick um, before this trailer was Mbaku. Um, I think it would be a beautiful bookend to the reclamation and um, the healing taking place with the Jabari tribe and all the tribes coming back together. Um, We saw that process taking place at the end of Black Panther film. We saw them fight side by side in Infinity War. I thought that that would be a beautiful bookend. And I think, I think Winston Duke is primed for like a, a leading man run. Um, After the trailer, I think, like you said, the obvious pick is Shuri. If you've read that Ta-Nehisi Coates run that we did for homework, you saw her on the ancestral plane. And I saw a lot of people speculate that that image of her crying looks like it might be in the ancestral plane. Um, my my hope is also Nakia. Um, a lot of folks are, are, are clamoring for Okoye, and that would be really freaking cool, too. Um, but my hope is, I hope my, my hope is for Nakia simply because I enjoyed the other thread of in the first film, she had a very different approach of, of how to run the country of Wakanda and T'Challa was very inundated with tradition and, um, doing the, doing things the way that they've always been done through his lineage and through the heritage of his family, but then seeing the influence of Nakia and, and the, the, and this came out to a great extent in the comics as well of, you know, I have to change as a ruler. So my pick is Nakia, um, but it's probably going to be Shuri. All right. That wraps up our byword big talk, our reactions to all the big hits from, uh, San Diego Comic-Con. Did we miss anything? Be sure to hit us up on social media at NerdByWord on Twitter and Instagram. We come back from this, our final break. More nerd commendations. We have returned once more for everyone's fan favorite segment. All right, we've always got the goods for you. Uh, We always like to approach this from a perspective of not only the under the radar stuff that you might have missed, but also being newcomer friendly, whether you're new to comic books, new to nerd media, nerdy materials. Um, So we always want to come from not a gatekeeping perspective because gatekeepers can get wrecked, but we want to share the good stuff with you and give you a jumping on point that is new reader, new viewer friendly. Dave, you have one of those things for us today. Uh, Well, of course I do. Um, I spent some time, obviously, uh, recently reading Star Wars comics from the era since, um, you know, Marvel has reacquired, um, you know, the ability to publish Star Wars comics. Uh, Obviously, for years it was with with Dark Horse. Um, Talked last week a bit about the Darth Vader comic book, which I, uh, you know, thought was really, really cool, especially that very first 25-issue run um have since moved on to the uh new volume of star wars uh which kicked off with a 37 issue run by jason aaron uh alongside a wide variety of really cool artists john cassidy uh there was uh, simone bianchi 
uh, Mike Mayhew, Stuart Monin. There was a whole bunch of really, really cool artists on this book. Um, the story takes place uh, between um, uh, episode four, New Hope, and The Empire Strikes Back. And is sort of, um, at least the first batch of issues, sort of runs alongside that 25-issue uh, Darth Vader run. Uh, in fact, that crossover I mentioned, Vader Down, um, you know, jumps between this volume of Star Wars and the Darth Vader comic book at the time. And, you know, we've talked a lot about how Jason Aaron seems to have lost his touch a little bit on Avengers. Uh, let me tell you that uh, the touch has not been lost on Star Wars. Uh, it's it's very very high quality. Instantly captures all the characters. Feels like a natural extension of the characters that we saw in A New Hope. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff going on. We see sort of the 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 first hints of that um, chemistry between Han Solo and Leia. We get to see uh, Luke trying more and more to like explore his Jedi side and and failing because he's in need of a master and has nobody to teach him. Um, a lot of really really cool stuff going on here. Um, I don't want to give too much away, obviously, for people who want to check this out. But if you're a Star Wars fan, and particular fan of the first Star Wars, um, then I, th this feels in so many ways like the first Star Wars. I think that Jason Aaron did a fantastic job capturing the tone and the vibe of um, uh, of the very first Star Wars movie. Because we all know the first Star Wars' vibe is very different from Empire, right? Uh, there's a, an, an evolution there. This feels like that first Star Wars movie, and for that, I absolutely loved it. Um, now, the the creative team um, from Darth Vader, Kieran Gillen, um, and Salvador La Roca actually take over the book as of issue 38, I believe. Um, and so far, the storyline is sort of like almost a sequel to Rogue One. It kind of connects a little bit with some of the stuff that happens in the movie Rogue One, so it starts going a little darker. feels a little bit more like Empire, I guess, than than A New Hope. But if you really are a fan of A New Hope, that first 37 issues by, by Jason Aaron is about as spot on as you get. Yeah, I wholeheartedly second this nerd commendation. I remember reading the first 20 to 25 issues um, as it was coming out. And um, I fell I fell off a little bit, but I, I think I might need to tap in and do a reread very, very soon because it really, it, it, like you said, it recaptures the magic, particularly of the big three and, and what we love so much about A New Hope and their chemistry together. And then what we wanted so deeply is those, those tales between four and five. And so I, I'm right there with you, man. I think one of my favorite things is when C-3PO gets captured and R2-D2 goes on a one-issue rampage to to basically, um, you know, rescue C-3PO because the Rebellion won't uh, commit. So basically it's it's R2-D2 on a Star Destroyer, like just like destroying all these stormtroopers. <laughs> it is it is an absolute blast of a single issue. Like it's 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 a lot of fun. And it'd be hard pressed to find, you'd be hard pressed to find a droid story that doesn't annoy me. So yeah, I'm right there. I yeah. think I I think you would love this one. All right, Chris, what is your nerd commendation for this week? Okay, so I know this is under the radar stuff typically, but it's also new viewer, new reader friendly, like I said. And one of the great, like, oh my God, really? Things of my childhood is that I never watched Batman Beyond. I'd some, I some, I some, listen, we just said we're not gatekeeping. Um, <laughs> but... The advent of, with the advent of streaming and everything, you know, in the HBO Max library, which um, I'm sorry, Netflix, but HBO Max has jumped you and stolen all your lunch money. 
um, I'm, I'm to the point where like, do I really need a Netflix subscription? Um, but yeah, so I've got to dive into Batman Beyond for the first time, and it is everything everybody said it was and more. And so it's really, really cool. It's particularly, it's really funny to look at pieces of media that are futuristic and revisit them years later. And so this was released in 1999, 23 years ago. And um, and to see what their idea of the future, and it is so 1999, but it is still approachable and it's still fun. It's still so well done. And this is, of course, the spiritual successor, the sequel of sorts to Batman, the animated series. So if you're a fan of Batman, the animated series, this is right there with you. I mean, it's a Bruce Tim, Paul Denny, Allen Burnett production. Um, so good. Kevin Conroy as like the aged um, Bruce Wayne in the latter twilight of his life. There's no Alfred. It's just him. And um, this is what we should be doing with Michael Keaton. I'm sorry. Like, this is what we should be doing with Michael Keaton, not just geriatric running around stuff. Um, and the more you think about it, we owe a lot to Will Friedle for our childhood, man. Growing up in the 90s, Boy Meets World, um, Batman Beyond, uh, Kim Possible, this this were this is what reminded me it's really really cool is you know podcasting is the the du jour thing right now but uh christy carlson romano who played kim possible alongside will friedel's ron stoppable they have their own podcast right now and it's it's geared around being voice actors so they have like legends in the industry they had kevin conroy come on and then I was like, you know what? I just remembered that Batman Beyond I never tapped into for whatever reason. I think it was much harder at that day and age of like being there in front of the television. If you missed it, you missed it. I mean, like maybe you got a VHS tape, but um, I'm, I was on the lower end of the totem pole, you know, in my household. So when it came to the, the television, I was mostly in my room playing video games. But um, so, yeah, this is everything they said it was. And it's it's also really funny, like I said, to revisit. And the idea that in the far future, we would have manila folders with paper files is just hilarious to me. And that we would actually go to the shopping mall. And now what really has happened and our local mall, Dave, is like a ghost town. You can almost see the tumbleweeds going across. But um, I absolutely love this show. I, what immediately hooked me, even as a kid, was like I wanted to watch it was the suit design is out of this world. And so I'm not only this, I'm watching this. I, I want to tap into the comics as well because I've heard great things about them. Yeah, so uh, I, I, what can more can I say to that? You're exactly right. It's a, it's a great show. It actually holds up really well. I'll also add uh, there's a... Um, uh, feature-length cartoon, Return of the Joker, that is uh, really, really well done as well um, and, and kind of hits you very differently. Uh, hits a little darker in some places than, than the straight-up uh, TV show. But uh, Batman Beyond is, is holds a special place in my heart. I didn't think that they could reinvent Batman in a really cool way. Um, you know, they were trying to kind of make him younger and tap into the Spider-Man crowd, believe it or not. I, I was and, just going to say that's very, it's very derivative of things like Spider-Man, the uncle Ben of it all, but yes, 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 yes. But it's, it works. I don't care. Yeah, that's exactly right. I was very, very surprised how well it worked even when I was a kid. So um, yeah, check that out, man. If you're a Grease fan, here's a blast from the past. If you're a Grease fan, Stockard Channing plays his mom. <laughs> I am a Grease fan and I did not know that. And now my mind is blown. Yeah. I was raised well off of musicals. Um, I got chills and they're multiplying now. Um, that wraps up Wait, another that's episode. Not, that's that's not an Eminem reference, Chris. Listen, <laughs> not, not out of you. I'm going to make you walk eight miles. Um, 
All right, that wraps up another episode of the Nerd Byword. We thank you so much for stopping by and humoring all of Dave's Eminem jokes. Um, if you like what you hear, in spite of those, uh, please be sure to like and subscribe via whatever podcasting platform is yours of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or nerdbyword.com. Absolutely. And while I go eat mom's spaghetti, you go ahead and make sure to get on social media and uh, let us know how you feel about the show, what your reactions are to what happened at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at nerdbyword, individually at that nerd Dave and at that nerd Chris. And while you're at it, you can also check out our totally awesome Discord server and discuss some of the nerdy news with us there. Yeah, so basically the one-stop shop, if you want to interact with us, support us, you just follow the link tree link in both of our social media bios, Twitter and Instagram. Um, and because TPublic are a bunch of player haters uh, and have sabotaged our store on that site, even though that was original artwork commissioned for the show, we have now migrated to Redbubble. Um, thanks to the folks there. Um Thank you to our supporters who have already purchased merch. We love you, Kev. We love you, Lex. And uh, again, all of those links to Discord, all of our socials, our merch store on Redbubble can be found in that link tree link in our bios. And as always, stay well and stay nerdy. The Nerd Byword is written and produced by Chris and Dave, two nerds with a love of all things pop culture. The podcast features music by Al Jimenez with additional drops composed by Joe Biondi. Our show art is by Ashery Design. Find us at nerdbyword.com and wherever podcasts are available. Mm-hmm.